In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, it is the season of giving, and you may be buying lots of gifts for your children for Christmas, but what financial legacy are you giving them? We'll explore that straight ahead. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. It's the next to last Get Ready for the Future show of 2022. Glad to have you along. I'm Scott Inman. John Shrewsbury, Troy Johnson, the three on set today as we welcome you in for a show about leaving your financial legacy. What exactly does that mean? Because we're going to get into it today in just a few minutes. It means more than just giving assets and money to your kids uh, after you're gone. There, are, There's a lot that can go into that phrase, leaving your financial legacy. So we'll talk about that. Do want to take just a moment to say Merry Christmas to everyone. This is our uh, as we record this, we're about four days away from Christmas, and of course the podcast will live on, and they may be going, hey, it's July. Why are they talking about Christmas? <laughs> Obviously, we know you don't watch or necessarily listen uh, in chronological order, but we are uh, going to say Merry Christmas to everyone, and I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday and is able to enjoy time with family and friends, and also staying warm is uh, a big part of this Christmas uh, for where we live here in central Arkansas. It's going to be a little bit cold, to say the least. Yeah, a big cold front coming through uh, and uh, dropping the wind chill down that it's uh, going to cause me to uh, turn the fire on and stay at home. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I'm just sitting over here thinking about how John has recruited me to help him uh, help him get a boat across the lake this weekend. So you this know, weekend in the cold, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah. doesn't sound like what you ought to be doing. I warned him. <laughs> I warned him. I told him. I said you don't want to do that. But he's like, nah, I got it. I got the hunting stuff and everything. You know, he's doing all that type of thing. The things you do to keep your job. Did you, <laughs> did you say get it across the lake? Like, yeah. Your, yeah. Is it, the lake could be frozen. Well, hopefully not. Okay. Well, let's move right. on. Yeah, let's, we'll get <laughs> we'll a follow-up on that on the yes. next show. Yes. So, hey, in this spirit, let's we're going to lead off and tell you about an offer that we have been telling you about on the podcast uh, for uh, last couple of weeks because we do have a great offer through the end of the year giving you the opportunity to give the gift of financial independence. We're offering half off our financial planning services through December, and you do not have to come in by the end of the year. You just need to schedule that appointment. Call in or text to schedule your appointment for uh for the first step towards financial independence and getting a financial plan you can actually hold that appointment or come into the office anytime in 2023 how to do it two easy ways you can text the word mary as in merry christmas to 501-381-5228 that's 501-381-5228 or you can just call and schedule by calling 866-653-PLAN that's 866-653-PLAN seven five two six again the appointment can be made or has to be made before december 31st for uh, the half off offer to take place or to be in effect but the appointment doesn't have to take place until 2023 if you obviously have some plans around the holidays so let's talk a little bit about leaving a legacy for generations to come that's a that's a phrase that is taken directly from our mission statement here at genwell financial advisors because we know it is a big deal now 
I think we should get into the order of where that lands, leaving a legacy for generations to come. It is the back end of our mission statement. So there's a reason for that. But let's talk about the idea of leaving a financial legacy. I'll be pretty transparent. I think you guys have had this experience in our appointment uh, meeting rooms with clients where we work in uh, the South, in Arkansas and Louisiana, we we have a very blue-collar state. Now, whether they have a white-collar job really doesn't matter. We've got blue-collar attitudes, right? Our yeah. work ethic is strong in this state, and we have a great appreciation for the hard-earned dollar. And I think as a result, most of the time, we talk to clients about their assets that they've saved and building a retirement income plan for them to uh, live on in retirement, and they're not keenly worried about exceptionally worried about leaving a big chunk of money to their kids because i think the quote i get they're doing quite well on their own they can make it themselves right but there's more to it than that yeah and one of the things we do and we have this conversation all the time a client will say you know i'm not trying to make the next generation wealthy right part of our planning is to make sure that let's say we put a 25 year plan together for you well we're going to make sure that at the end of that 25 years, there is a lump sum or there's an ending balance there. Uh, and it's not necessarily to go to your kids or, or wherever. It's to make sure that you still have income if you're still here at the end of the plan. But what that means is something might happen along along the way and whatever hasn't been used does go to the next generation. And so while the goal might not be to make them wealthy, we're not ever going to put you in a situation where there is no money in your plan. So you do need to at least think about where would you want that money to go. And and conversely, if you stop and think about this, you also want to plan so that you are not a financial burden to your kids. You know, the the Bible says that that a a wise man leaves a legacy to his children's children. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean that, that they need to be rich off of that. And obviously there's all kinds of definitions of rich, but but clearly no one wants to, you know, just let the money sit there and, and go to the state or something like that if uh, if you pass away and not leaving a beneficiary or anything of that nature. But the, the financial legacy is more than just money. It really is your attitude about money. It's how you deal with money. It's the things, the financial principles that you've taught your children along the way. And, and uh, understand that whatever you are doing right now, if you have young kids, they're paying attention to how you are handling money. Uh, and don't think they don't know. They they definitely pick up on things. And so all of that is kind of uh, encompassed in that definition of financial leg- legacy. We've all traveled on an airplane, and one of the first things they talk about during the, the, uh, the safety precautions that they need to make you aware of is if something should happen and a loss of oxygen occurs inside the cabin, that you are instructed to uh, attach your oxygen mask to yourself before you worry about your children right now that doesn't seem like the way we do things in life because a lot of people are more concerned about their children than themselves they have very sacrificial mindsets and that's great as a parent for sure but if you think about how that plays out if you don't if you don't take care of yourself first before leaving the legacy to your children then you're you could run the risk of becoming a burden to your children Scott, I can vividly remember many years ago, I sat down with a husband and wife. They were uh, in their uh, retirement years. They, I, I don't remember if they had actually pulled the trigger. They had not pulled the trigger now that I think about it on retirement. And that guy's still working today because the wife's attitude was, 
we're going to take care of our kids. Well, their kids were adults with jobs. And, you know, it was like she was 100% laser beam focused on giving money to their kids and not necessarily and totally didn't want to hear about building financial independence for themselves. And when I say financial independence, I mean that they could live on something other than just Social Security. She thought it was her job to be sure that those kids were living a Cadillac lifestyle while they were living a Volkswagen lifestyle themselves. Yeah. And then if you play that out, then, you know, when something happens to them, they run out of money, the parents, uh, then the, the only logical thing to happen is the kids now take care of them. Right. And that could have been avoided. But know? if the kids have been so financially dependent upon the parents all those years, right. guess what? Everybody's in a mess right. at that particular point in time. Yeah, and I think there's uh, obviously a lot of details that have to be hammered out there. A lot of children, you know, every children's not uh, the same. They are unique and in terms of their needs. I mean, so someone may have a, a disabled child or someone may have a child who's been in, going through a, a, a college. You know, I think I'm going through this with my oldest son right now and our agreement has been he's going to graduate in may from uca and he earned himself through his grades in high school a full ride scholarship to uca okay so he's taking care of business there and he's doing well with grades i'm helping him out until he graduates and so that plan has been laid out right there's no there's he he has an expectation that his employment income which i don't expect to be uh very high while he is a full-time student so I am helping him now, but the the moment, man, we'll say the moment. I'll give him a few days. <laughs> Scott's but sitting there <laughs> looking at the watch going, all right, uh, graduation is on Sunday. Yes. We're done on, on Monday. Monday, you're off the dime, bud. <laughs> no, so, I mean, he gets some time, right? But he is already working. He'll be able to increase his hours and make more income. And we've been talking about uh, what that income's going to be and what are his expenses going to be so we can start to lay out a budget for him and he can understand the uh, – the need for him to take on things like his cell phone bill and his car insurance. And and I, I don't think, you know, we do, we meet with people who are still, you know, their, their child may be 25, 26 years old and they're still paying that cell phone bill. And, and those are one of the first things we want to strike when we're working through their retirement budget. But it is a, it is a problem because you're not teaching your kids good habits either. That's the other thing you talk about. Uh, if, if, if the, parents run through their assets and the kids haven't been taught good financial habits that they won't be prepared to help their their parents they also won't be in good shape themselves so you think about playing that out don't you want your kids to have financial independence you can't give someone financial independence if they're on your dime one of the best things my dad did for me was whenever i got my first you know real job that had a retirement plan had a 401k they just gave us the packet one day there wasn't really much explanation i took it home uh showed it to my parents and my dad was like, just what, what will they match you? I didn't know. We looked it up in the document and he said, you need to do at least that much. And I was like, why? And he was like, I don't know all the answers, but I know you need to at least do that. <laughs> and honestly, like by the time I retire, the fact that I started that then is going to make a huge difference. Right. Yeah. The, the power of compound interest will kick in. But I think the key here and the point that we're trying to make is that you can't pour from an empty cup. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to build financial strength for yourself so that you are able to uh, do things for your, your children in, in whatever measure that you decide that you want to do them. That's not for us to sit here and tell you about. But I do think it's very important, Scott, that we uh, that you've got to take care of some business at home first. And I think that starts with having your retirement income needs met. And a lot of people just kind of 
wing it in that area and end up in a situation where they're in trouble. Yeah, we, we talk about our half-off financial plan offering. We don't want you to gift a financial plan to your kids if you don't have one on yourself, <laughs> yeah. right? And if you're closing in on retirement, there are some things you need to be sure are taken care of before you jump too far into generational wealth planning. So let's lay the foundation there. It does come down to retirement income. Well, you hear it on our show all the time. And I think 2022 has brought that to the forefront more than any other year uh, that I've been a financial advisor in the sense that we have to continue to have a focus, if you're near retirement particularly, uh, about the retirement income that your plan is going to provide, not focus on your account value, but account, because account values are going to sway every day. So looking at your statements is not helpful, and and having a 401k statement or an IRA statement is not having a financial plan. The plan is all about solving for retirement income, both needs and wants. Let's face it, Social Security is not going to be enough. If you kind of take a look at the numbers, uh, as of October of 2022, the average monthly benefit check in Social Security was $1,550 a month. That's according to the Social Security Administration. It's about $18,000 a year uh, as far as an annual total is concerned. Now, to put that in perspective, if you take a look at the state of Mississippi, we've always said, thank God for Mississippi and Arkansas, right? <laughs> uh, but the, the state of Mississippi has the lowest cost of living in 2022. Median monthly rent in the state of Mississippi is nearly $1,000 a month on its own. You get a benefit check for $1,550, $1,000 goes out the door for rent. You don't have a whole lot left over. So obviously, Social Security is not going to cut it. Neither is a, just only your investments, because if you take a look at, at how people oftentimes regard their investments, they, they may have Social Security over here. They may have a little investment money over here, and they say, well, this is my just-in-case money. This is my just-in-case, and so they end up living a just-in-case lifestyle, and they deny themselves ever taking any of that money because they think they might need it down the road. Well, let's say your Social Security benefit is much larger than the average. Let's say it's $3,000. Well, the reason it's $3,000 is because you paid a lot more Social Security tax in your work life, which means you were probably a higher earner. The point I'm getting at here is, is that whatever your Social Security benefit is, Troy, it's likely a fraction of what your employment income was. So you think about the downgrade in lifestyle that has to occur if, as John said, someone is depending on Social Security alone. Yeah, I think that's the point here is that you can't just depend on any of one of these um, areas alone. You need a plan that incorporates you know, everything together. And like John mentioned with the just-in-case lifestyle, if you don't have a plan, the thing that always gets to me is I, I try to picture myself as if I'm in retirement. Mm -hmm. If I don't have a plan and I just have a lump sum of some assets, a yep. 401k, IRA, whatever the case may be, I don't know how much I can take from that right. without a plan. Right. I think a lot of people are in that situation. Uh, and so they do. They leave it alone because they think there might be some emergency down the road. What that plan allows you to do is to know how much you can take each month and to be comfortable with that and be able to do the things you actually want to do in retirement. And let's think about it this way, too. A year like we've had in 2022, if you go in without that plan into retirement and you've seen your, if you were invested in equities, you saw your uh, account values possibly decline by, let's say, 15 or 20 percent, depending on how you were invested. And if you had no plan and it's a just-in-case retirement, as John's talking about, and Troy, as Troy alluded to, you're going in with just this lump sum. Well, now your lump sum is 
a lot less, so you're fearful to spend anything probably. And that's no way to live in retirement. A plan allows you to build in required income and desired income and then match it against what kind of guaranteed income sources you have, like Social Security or pension, and stack on top an investment uh, portfolio, or I should say distributions from your investment portfolio, based on the rates of return in an investment strategy. And I think it's worth pointing out, too, that that investment strategy is not simplistic. It is not put it into a balanced asset allocation portfolio and pull an arbitrary percentage out every year. No, it, it really is not. There's more to it than that. You have uh, really two diverse needs that you've got to take care of. One is you have a need for growth because we all know what inflation has done in the last year in our country. So you've got to have assets that can stay ahead of inflation on an average rate of return basis. And so growth stock mutual funds and real estate investments are the two asset classes that perennially beat inflation on a regular basis. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you need some safety. You don't need all of your money invested in in you know high flying stocks and real estate. You need some money invested in low uh, volatility, uh, fixed income rate of return that you can pretty well assure that the money is going to be there in a short term period of time when you need it. And so those two diametrically opposed objectives have to be part of your financial plan. And then there has to be something in the middle that kind of is acts as a hybrid or a pivot point between those two extremes. So if we if, let's make the assumption that somebody has got their own plan in order, so when we talk about leaving a legacy, that's kind of the next step. So mm-hmm. what's some things that uh, people can do to begin planning for leaving a legacy? All right. So generational wealth, I think it's important to point out, is not just about the inherited money. You know, you, you talk about the planning. You know, we just sat with, uh, just this week, Mark and I, Mark, who's an advisor here in the Little Rock office, and he does Talking Sense a podcast with Teresa Arago. We sat with uh, the son and daughter-in-law of a Gen Wealth client. And they are, I believe, in their early 30s, and they have two little girls, and they are really just starting out, quite frankly. And they told us, they divulged to us, that they're really just focused on today, right? Just trying to get these girls raised. Uh, they've, you know, had daycare expenses that they've worked to uh, pay for by eliminating some debt. They've done some good things to create some margin. Uh, between their income and their expenses, but they have no idea when they want to retire. They have no idea what it's going to take. They have no idea really about any of those far-off concepts that we talk about with our near-term retirees. But I think it's important to point out the the generational wealth or the leaving a legacy part of that was our client who is uh, the father and father-in-law of this couple he emailed me and he said, what I want to do is I want to give them a Christmas gift of a financial plan. Mm-hmm. Now you think about the value in that, um, to be able to get them on track, take that margin that they've done a good job creating between their income and expenses and help us or help us identify for them a savings rate and an investment strategy that will get them to a better place in the future. Now that's a great financial legacy to give and he told me it was primarily because they he wanted them to be better off than he was and he's done a good job but he knows that he didn't start real early right and he's had to play catch up and think about how what a gift that is now that's a financial legacy well and and what he's empowering them with is something that i mentioned a little bit earlier in the show and that is the power of compound interest Mm -hmm. uh do yourself a favor if you're young go google the power of compound interest and take a look at what value that has. 
I think I've given this example on the show before where you have someone who was going to max out their IRA account between, let's say, age 22 and age 30 versus someone who and then stop and not do anything else past age 30 versus the person who is going to wait between age 22 and age 30 and then max out their IRA account from age 30 all the way to age 67. They arrive at basically the same amount of money at age 67. This guy put in a very small amount of money relative to how much the other guy did over here. It is the time value of money and the power of compound interest. And that's just one of those features that is working in your benefit when you get started early in a financial plan. But Troy, I think that you alluded to this just a little bit earlier. You're really kind of setting the the template going forward in that, in that uh, couple's life for good, sound financial decisions. And if you train up a child in the way they should go, they won't depart from it in the future. Yeah. And the earlier you start, you know, it makes it easier to do this also, because if you, when you get your first job, if you go ahead and start putting money in the 401k, then it's like you never missed it to begin with. So it's it's all a part of just building those good habits uh, to get you to a better place in the future. Hard work, resourcefulness, things of that nature, those are all legacies that I think about in my life. You know, the 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 hard work part of that I got from my dad, who was a, a factory laborer, basically, and, and uh, he taught me the value of hard work. And so those are legacies that really do play into the financial part of this, but they're not necessarily related to money. So let's talk a little bit about a practical thing you can do to make sure really wherever you are along your journey uh, to leave a, a, a financial legacy or leave a legacy to your kids. And that's uh, Mark pointed out in this appointment. I love the way he said it to them. He said, we want to have a plan A, but it needs to be backstopped with a plan B. And that's really what you're talking about when you bring up the term life insurance, right? When you talk about the need for life insurance and how that fits into your overall financial plan. If you're younger and you have young kids, that means something a little different than if you're near retirement and you have older kids. But it is a it is the plan B part of this that cannot be overlooked in your plan. Well, and let's talk about both ends of that spectrum. So life insurance for younger folks really in our mind it needs to be mostly term insurance and a whole lot of it because you've got to replace income to your family if something happens to the breadwinner of the family you take a, a let's say a typical couple maybe they make a hundred thousand dollars a year between the husband and the wife and let's say that that's 60 40 or, or something like that so sixty thousand dollars a year is the income that the husband is generating to the household if that husband uh, suddenly dies then there is a gaping hole in that family's finances and that's got to be filled. And Troy, the, the easiest way to do that is with term insurance because you can buy a whole lot for very little money. Right. For easy math, if he made $50,000, uh, we use just kind of a 5% rule of thumb on this. If you just need to think about how much life insurance you might need, uh, just sit down and think, okay, if my spouse passed away, how much of their income would I need replaced? Right. And let's say that uh, your spouse makes 50000 You say, I would need every bit of that replaced to take care of kids and just continue living the way that we're living now. Well, then, uh, you know, five fifty thousand is five percent of a million dollars. So you need a million dollar term policy, which sounds like some crazy number. 
but you would be shocked if you've never looked at just term insurance rates. It's very affordable. Very affordable, but a lot of people, Scott, are going to balk at that million-dollar car. Oh, man, that's a, I don't know that I need a million dollars of life insurance on me. My wife might kill me, you know, or whatever. Right, right. So, yeah, but a lot of people joke about that, but that's really very uh, appropriate, what Troy said, in, in looking at just a really base level of, of income protection. A million dollars in life insurance for someone that's making $50,000 a year is not exorbitant. No, and if you are healthy, it's a, it's very, very uh, cheap on a pr- monthly premium perspective to pay for and more than likely can fit into your monthly uh, budget. And again, only needed for likely a certain period of time. So depending on where you are, if you're very young, it might need to be 30 years. If you're getting a little closer uh, to retirement, maybe 20, maybe even 10. Uh, and then the need changes as you get closer to retirement. Now, there could be uh, a need or a desire for life insurance in certain instances for people who are walking up close to retirement, uh, particularly if there are shortfalls uh, when it comes to their assets or their income. But if they, again, have put their oxygen mask on first and created their own financial plan and have made it to retirement and they're age 65, typically speaking, there's not as big or really any need for life insurance because if a spouse passes away, the plan is in place for the income to keep on rocking. But the other risk still may need an insurance solution. Well, and and actually, life insurance has had a little bit of a renaissance with the passage of the SECURE Act back in 2019, and this is what happened. Used to be, if you had an IRA account, 401k account, let's say you had a million dollars in that IRA or 401k, and you run through the the husband and the wife, and that money's going to go to the non-spouse beneficiaries, the kids. Well, the kids used to be able to take that million dollars of IRA money and take a small distribution from it, but let it continue to be invested, let it continue to grow, and the tax impact of that was very small. So fast forward to 2019, when we had the SECURE Act passed, that changed everything. Now that million dollars has to be distributed over a 10-year period of time to those non-spouse beneficiaries, in this case, the kids. So what you have there is a situation where those kids are likely in their high earning years when they are in line for an inheritance like that. And then all of a sudden that million dollars, if you just kind of do the the rough math on it, there's $100,000 coming out of that account every year on top of the taxable income that the uh, kids have. And they have to pay taxes on that extra $100,000. And they might be paying, instead of maybe a 12% tax bracket, they might be paying 22 or 24% tax bracket on that. So the SECURE Act really did accelerate the, the, tax, the taxation of that qualified money going to children. The only way around that is to either convert that while the parents are still living to a Roth IRA and the parents pay the tax, or the parents spend the money and use some of that expenditure on life insurance and then leave life insurance to their kids because in most cases, life insurance death benefits are tax-free. So if passing along money is not your main priority, then you may be okay with the kids just paying the taxes on it. You might say, hey, they're going to get the net amount, and even if they have to pay some taxes, that's okay. But if passing along money to your kids or wherever it's going to go is of high importance to you, then it might make sense to look at that strategy where you have a life insurance policy. And I think the amount uh, that is likely to pass on matters uh, greatly here. If, Absolutely. If, if you have 
a million dollars, but you have five kids, then that's probably a little bit less of an impact than you if you have a million dollars and you have one heir uh, mm-hmm. who's going to have to take that million dollars out over the course of 10 years. I think Roth conversions is one of the great opportunities you have there. I don't think there are a lot of clients that take advantage of that because you have to really be careful about that's a that's an overtime progression. You really can't do it all at once. So really, the the sooner the better you take a look at that because you're going to be taxed if you make that uh, conversion from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. You're going to be you're, that's a taxable change, but you're going to keep all of the money in the new Roth IRA. So you're going to have to have money on the sidelines to pay the taxes there. So that has to be a, a real planning point before you jump into it. A real gradual process because yeah. you can wreck yourself from a tax standpoint doing Roth conversions. I've had people come in and they're, they're, you know, they read an article or they heard something and they said they're all head up about doing Roth conversions until we sit down and understand what the tax impact of doing that Roth conversion is. Then they go, oh, okay, maybe I'll only do a little bit or something like that, or maybe yeah. I won't do any or whatever. But the, the key is, is that that certainly is something that you can look at, but buying a life insurance policy, if you can qualify for one late in your in your 50s or 60s or whatever the case may be is a way to pass along that legacy without the impact of the taxes now scott you uh, had alluded to life insurance or insurance being a part of the the legacy building process when it comes to long-term care and that's what we talked about early in the show about not being a burden to your kids Mm -hmm. that's exactly what long-term care insurance is designed to do it is designed to allow for the funding of care so your kids don't either have to go do that care or they don't have to pay for someone to come in and take care of that care long-term care really pays for your care if you have a long-term care event with discounted dollars think about it that way if the care was going to cost let's say uh $25,000 a year as a as a just a rough number let's say it's going to cost $25,000 a year you might only pay two or three thousand dollars a year for a long-term care policy but it might fund that twenty five thousand dollar expenditure for that care to be provided to you yeah according to dhhs half of americans turning 65 today will develop a condition severe enough to require long-term care so it has to be planned for we call it the elephant in the room when we're discussing retirement because it's not the fun part of retirement but it there has to be a plan for it it may not need to be insurance, uh, but it needs to be discussed, right? You, know, you have three types of people or silos of folks uh, in terms of how they should deal with long-term care. If you have no assets or few assets, Medicaid is really your only option. And on the other end of the spectrum, if you have overfunded retirement, in other words, your income needs and desires will be significantly handled by just a portion of your investment portfolio and you have access or excess assets, then you can create a long-term care bucket. In other words, a moderately invested uh, bucket of money that is there for you at some point in the future should you need it. But the vast majority of people are in between, Troy, and they're going to need to look to insurance to at least provide part of their care uh, in retirement. Yeah, that's going to be kind of most people. And you've got, a, you've got a few options there. There's different types of policies. You've got traditional long-term care. You've got a, a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider. And honestly, we could do a whole show just on the yeah. differences between those two. But I think the important thing is get with an advisor who has some expertise in this and and let them walk you through the differences between those two policies and see which one is best for you. 
Scott, before we uh, wrap up the show today, I think it's important that we talk about the fact we mentioned the SECURE Act passed in 2019. Mm -hmm. There is pending legislation right now, and it looks like it's going to pass because they've encompassed this into one of those omnibus spending bills that basically says, you know, the wheels are going to fall off the bus on the government if we don't pass it. So they end up passing it regardless of what's in it. But SECURE Act 2.0 is in the works in Congress and will probably be uh, the law of the land by the time the holidays are over. So let's let's expand on a little bit about what's going on with Secure 2.0. I saw a tweet from a representative today, in fact, that said, "Me and my team are reading through the omnibus bill today, omnibus bill today." And I thought, "Man, I'm having ominous. A, I'm having a better day than he is, <laughs> no doubt." Uh, but yes, so it is included in a massive uh, spending bill package that, as of this recording. Uh, is expected to pass Congress by the end of the week, so by Christmas. Um, and the final version of Secure 2.0 is in there. And this one does not make as radical a change as the first Secure Act did with the uh, change in the way inherited money is uh, withdrawn from IRAs or other qualified accounts, as we talked about already in the show. But it is going to increase the RMD age again. You know, that was changed in Secure 1.0 or the first Secure right. Act. It was moved up from 70 and a half, age 70 and a half to age 72. There's going to be a gradual increase over the next 10 years, making it all the way to 75. So there's not going to be a requirement to take out money from qualified accounts until age 75 for future generations. Scott, the big headline here is that it starts at age 73, beginning January 1, 2023. So folks that that are going to turn 72 in 2023, you've been thinking, I'm going to have to do my RMD next year. They actually moved the bar up and went, okay, we're going to do it in 2023, and it's going to be 73. A lot more in that uh, legislation that we can talk about, but we are out of time, as you heard the final bell. So, Troy, we'll start with you. Yeah, so final thought would be, um, you know, financial independence, it starts with you. Um, You can't pass down something that you don't have yourself, and a relationship with an advisor can help you plan for those things if it is important for you to pass money along. Uh, can help you get a game plan together. Troy, I would kind of tag off of that and say, you know, one of the easy ways to to really kind of help your children uh, understand the big picture about money and finances is to gift them a financial plan. Uh, that presume, presumes that you've got one yourself, but gifting them a financial plan is a great way to get them on a solid footing. We've got a great opportunity for you to do that right now here at GenWealth, but it is the foundational things about uh, sound financial knowledge that will carry forward for them for years to come. And I think about my final thought, you know, we didn't. We just ended that bell when we were in the middle of talking about all the legislative changes, and it comes to mind, there, there are so many uh, things that can really help you out by working with a financial advisor. And that's one of the things, just staying on top of changing legislation that governs the rules around your retirement accounts. I mean, it, that's a lot to keep up with, but it goes beyond that. The planning process, being your personal or family's CFO is really what a good financial advisor should be about. So in this new year, if you've never worked uh, with a financial advisor, maybe it's time to build that plan. John talked about the great opportunity uh, to gift a plan or the great opportunity to create a plan for yourself. We are offering half off those financial plans through December. Here's how to do it. You, all, you, have, to, uh, you have one of two ways to get that started. You can text the word Mary, as in Merry Christmas, to 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228. Or simply just call 866-653-PLAN. 
That's 866-653-7526. Again, the appointment doesn't have to be uh, actually held until next year. That's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show, our next to last of the year. We hope you'll join us for one final one next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial. 